morning to Steve Vines. I don't know what's good well, about it. I don't it. know what's going on. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about, I want to talk purely hypothetically oh, this hypotheticals. morning. Oh, hypotheticals. Ah, we, we, we do hypotheticals. And with your massive... Yeah. ...knowledge of journalism. Yes, yeah. If... I like that pause. If a newspaper, a very credible one in this instance, that's been around since 1888, prints a story... Almost as old as me. ...prints a story like no other that's been featured in no other what next god you're being very convoluted can we can we can no, we I, you know what i'm going yeah, I I know mean, this, what is you're big, this is a so big story what we're talking about is the story that appeared yesterday in the financial times saying oh you've blown it now. oh i know i know <laughs> i know i'm a i'm a party pooper me um saying that 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 um they have information that uh, uh, I was going to say the wrong name, that the CINO, the chief executive in name only, who's now the CINEX, um, Hypothetically. work it out, listener, um, is going to be replaced uh, by an interim, an interim CINO. Um, C-next. C-next, you know, dead man walking before they even start walking, um, by March. Now, the interesting thing about this, among many other things, is so your your question is, you know, would a paper like that run a story like that Boom. without uh, having well, this is a, this having is a, something something very substantially it's to a back it up? Killer my and it's my, a my view killer. is this is yeah. is the Financial Times. I don't want to, you know, big it up, but the Financial Times is a paper with a fantastically good track record. And it's the sort of paper that, that, that takes its reputation very seriously. Rock on. So if, you know, one of their reporters ambles into the newsroom and says, oh, I was just having a drink with someone who said that, that Carrie Lange has got to go. Down the pub. You know, that, that would not <laughs> pass muster. It would pass muster in some newspapers. It wouldn't pass muster at the Financial Times. Rock on, yeah, yeah. Now, what almost certainly has happened is that, that they, they got a tip off, they followed it up, and they, they've got some sources on this. It is entirely likely, because journalism is a risky game, that even though it has been properly sourced, and even though they may have talked to people who are close to the scene of the action, this won't happen, or the information that they were given was, was, was deliberately planted and being false. That doesn't say that they've acted irresponsibly in publishing it, because obviously this is a subject under discussion. It's been under discussion for some while. Anybody with half a brain knows that the Hong Kong's least popular chief executive, the least competent chief executive, and the chief executive responsible for the most massive uh, um, disruption since the Hong Kong SAR was established, is unlikely to be top... <laughs> I was going to say top choice for anybody, any kind of job. But the fact is that, that they will, of course, get rid of her. What's interesting in all of this among other things, is that, that nobody any longer is even vaguely pretending that this little pathetic show that they have of putting on an election where 1,200 hand-picked people, they're not all hand-picked, some of them aren't hand-picked, uh, select voluntarily the next leader of Hong Kong under a democratic process. Nobody's bothering with any of that nonsense anymore. It's just Beijing will, will you know, get rid of her and will put somebody else in. Incidentally, there's no provision in the basic law, not even vaguely, for something called an interim chief executive. That simply does not exist. A, a ringer, more or less. No, no, but they have a provision for the replacement of the chief executive, which is that the chief secretary, whoever that is at the time, were, who is number two in the administration, steps up 
to do the job. And that's Matthew Jung. And the reason why they might not want Matthew Jung is, oh, that's right, because he's Matthew Jung. So the two names be uh, And only for a limited time, isn't it, if the Chief Secretary does the job? I, I think, yes, they have, to have a, they have to have a so-called election. Remember, even among 1,200 people, um, Carrie Lamb was only elected by 777 people, a nice uneven number there. But anyway, what's also, I mean, you've got to laugh. What's also interesting is the name of the two candidates who apparently are hovering in the wings, ready, ready to sit in the, in the very, very hot seat, according, again, to the Financial Times. They, they obviously, you know, the people in Beijing, they looked in their drawers to, where they stock various candidates, and they found they were completely empty. And then they looked right in the back recesses of the drawer and they found Henry Tang. Remember, they'd already once tried to put him in the job, but he screwed it up royally. So he apparently is in contention. Also, and here's another case of the empty taxi drew up and Norman Chang get out. They're thinking oh, what do you of, need to of, be a rock star to have this job. I mean, <laughs> you don't need to well, be a rock star. You need to have I, this I job. mean, if they're looking for a pale Safe jobs worth hands. Um, who 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 has never said boo to the goose in his life, who shows no signs of human life, um, Actually, they have somebody like that. It's called Carrie Lamb, but they're apparently seriously thinking that because that particular formula hasn't worked well, they might just try it again with Norman Chan. I tell you what, else... there are incidentally other candidates. I mean, there's there's dear old Regina Hip jumping up and down saying, "I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll mm. do it." But yeah, there's a couple of names that people have been talking about that weren't on that particular yeah, thing. I there mean, are Bernard indeed. Chan, people have talked about him. Bernard Chan. I mean, I think Bernard Chan is ruled out by by China's staggering, yeah, gossip, though, staggering paranoia against people who, who aren't born in Hong Kong or aren't born in China. He, of course, is Thai. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's a serious suggestion. There's been suggestions that Laura Cha might do it. She's currently the chairwoman of the Stock Exchange. And, of course, she's very rich, so they like very rich people. That might be a possibility. There, there are also suggestions that Margaret Chan might be in the frame. She, if you remember... Um, led the World Health Organization, nominated by the People's Republic, and apparently, by all accounts, did a thoroughly unmemorable job. Um, so, yeah, she might well be in contention. People who've done an unmemorable job are, are, are clearly the sort of the sort of people who are, who are suitable to, to lead the Hong Kong SAR. This so, gets fiddlier and fiddlier, Steve, it, because, uh, I mean, we're talking about something we don't know to be true. It was in the paper. It's, it, it, it's rumour. But it's very interesting. You look at the denial of the rumour. Hmm. So, you, you, so reporters did what they're supposed to do. They go to the chief executive's office and they said, bravely and courageously, no comment, no comment. Yeah, well, that was pretty sensible. That was pretty sensible, you may say. But then it's interesting. Then they went to, to where things really matter, i.e. Beijing. And at the routine uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs press conference yesterday, the spokesman very interestingly did not deny it. She merely said, oh, this is a malicious rumour. Now, to my mind, that's interesting. I, I'd say no more than that because maybe... You know, that's how they do things. What makes but, it malicious, though? <coughs> yes, well, it's apparently because it... Oh, God. Where were you this morning? It's malicious because it was in a foreign newspaper and ah, all foreigners are malicious. Right, God, right, right. get with the programme. Get with the programme. <laughs> so, anyway. God, I've met foreigners, I can tell you. They are malicious. They are. Trust yeah. me on this. If, not, if on nothing else. So, anyway... Um, 
the fact of the matter is that we don't know. Nothing is clear. But the balance of probabilities, you, will have to, you always have to deal with the balance of probabilities, is that they are desperately searching for somebody um, to replace Carrie Lamb. Uh, and the other absolute certainty is they will not come up with anybody suitable. I think we can say that with utter so confidence. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> that person will be elected by the people who are told who to elect. Um, so however unsuitable they are, it really doesn't matter. However much they are high or low in the public esteem, doesn't matter. All that matters is the mandate of heaven, i.e. Right. the mandate of Beijing. This is interesting stuff, but back to where we started. In principle, what would a newspaper have to do? What would be going on behind closed doors to actually stick their neck out that I far? I think what they would have to do, um, this, this particular story has two reporters' names on it. I think that the lead reporter on that, I mean, this is in my experience of how these things are done, would have to have gone, because it's a big story, and because they've got it to themselves, it would have had to have gone to the editor and the editor would have to know what the source was oh, and so, you couldn't yeah, yeah. you couldn't just say oh well i you know i can't tell you you would have to know who that was that isn't for publication no names were published in the story and if it was a, respons a responsible paper it's more than likely that the editor would have said i tell you what We've, got, we've just got this from one source. You'd better go out there. Get me 65 uh, uh, more. Well, <laughs> maybe not 65, but at least <coughs> get it stood up by, by somebody else who is in a position to know. What's very interesting about the way particularly American newspapers now operate is they, they keep putting into stories. We are reliably informed by people who have knowledge of this story, and I'm thinking knowledge of this story that doesn't mean well, diddly places. squat that's the point it doesn't mean diddly squat i mean i've got knowledge of this story but i don't know anything about it i've it's, got it's knowledge probably, of it it's probably extremely legally sound that bunch well, no, of, that bunch of they words all, they all use that same it's yeah. a very american formula so what i'm assuming is that this is well sourced what i'm also assuming is that um at least one i.e the editor but probably more than one um, senior executive in the newspaper knows where it comes from and considers that on the basis of the source of the story, it's worth running. I mean, this isn't just like a food truck might go out of business. This is huge. This is a real <laughs> well, they're all, yeah, don't, don't, career don't, ender. Don't, don't preempt that story because that's, <laughs> yeah, that's. That might not be true. Yeah. But, yeah. I, mean, but, this, but I, I, I would give the listener a tip. I would just give the listener a tip from, from my uh, vast experience is nowadays. These rumours, when they're official, they all appear in one newspaper. They all appear in Tsingtao. Tsingtao is the official leaking leaking vessel. Mm. Um, remember, it was Tsingtao that, 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 that humiliated Carrie Lam by uh, telling the world, well, telling Hong Kong, if anybody was interested, that before she took the decision on um, withdrawing the extradition bill. She had to scuttle up to Shenzhen to get permission from the bosses. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know. But it came through... I'm just saying this is the vessel they use nowadays yeah. for for floating and making sure that the public is aware of what they're going to do. And, you know, these these official leaks are very, very highly controlled. So, obviously... They're, 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 they're not great at this propaganda stuff. I mean, they don't use their own commie newspapers because they kind of know, oh, it's appeared in Dagong Pao. Yeah, well, 
they actually want to use a paper which is ostensibly independent, although why anybody who reads Tsingtao would think it's independent is totally beyond me. But yeah. you've, that- probably, you've probably answered my next question. I was going to say, <coughs> what's the significance of this one publication? It's, it, That's probably what you said, it, isn't it? It will do it. It will do what it's told. That's what the significance is. I mean, you have to have willing hands at the pump. That's, that's how Can it works. Can you remember off the top of your head any time in the past, any way you've worked, where something big and they've gone boom? Like, I mean, it's almost, you know, Watergate standard or mm. something like that. Was there anything in England? I, I don't know. Oh, I, I can think of quite a few. I mean, um, yeah, and they're usually to do with these political... Yeah, you know, re- re- reshuffle I mean, type Profumo, things. I mean, that was different. But somebody really well, in, in, in the in driving a sense, seat. it wasn't, it, you know, Profumo, I, I mean, we are going back a Get few years, many, many years. There yeah. may be a listener who wasn't up, but th- th- he was he was a, um, a, a minister um, who was said to have had affairs with prostitutes in a country house and there was various narcotic substances being shared at the time. Now, that story did, in fact, first appear in newspapers before he was charged. Ah, so he had So, to, yes. You know. So, here we go again. I mean, I, that looked, I don't remember, this is many years ago, it's in the 1960s, but, I mean, that looked as though um, it was leaked through police sources who'd been investigating uh, it, but I don't know that for a fact. The leak, that's an interesting topic, isn't well, it? Well, you know, often these leaks do come. I mean, where it's, where it's, I mean, you look what's happening in the States at the moment. This this furore that's going on over the um, US president's dealings with the Ukrainian president and whether or not he asked him to investigate Joe Biden's son as a quid pro quo for military assistance, that clearly, information on that clearly, and it's now in the public domain so we know it, came from people within the civil service in America who were appalled by what was going on there and thought this is not right uh we're gonna we're gonna whistle our blow on this one and we're living in an era when whistleblowers get punished well except for, the for in 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 many jurisdictions now they do have protection under the law whistleblowing is in fact a protected activity if you can establish you that can, you're doing it in the national well i mean that will imagine be imagine living after blowing whistle well some do and some don't yeah, yeah, i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't give edward snowden's chances <laughs> <laughs> very I mean. high on any Richter scale, but, um, you know, elsewhere, people have blown whistles, have survived, some of whom have become, uh, you know, like Daniel Ellsberg, also in the American States, have become something of cult heroes. So would you use a simple word like brave for the FT for doing this? I would say, I, I wouldn't use that word, simply because I think this is what newspapers are supposed to do. Yeah, I would say that they're doing, they're doing their job. That's what I would say about so, that. So what happens if by some bizarre parallel universe cock-up, they're wrong? Then they'll get egg on their face. Oh, I mean, I, it's I, a high-risk... Yes, yeah. that, it's a high-risk business. So, you know, nobody nobody in the newspaper industry is... is, um, <laughs> is What's the word? Is infallible, except mm. for me, of course. Mm. Um, so, you know, you do get egg on your face. It's a very high-risk business. And even if you have... as I assume is the case in this particular story. Got it well sourced. It doesn't mean axiomatically that it will happen. Mm. So, you know, those are the risks you take. Absolutely. I mean, I still can't help thinking about Watergate and the Washington Post and stuff. I mean, that level. Well, Watergate, the Washington Post, the famous, um, the Boston Globe's 
cracking of the story about, uh, which has now been uh, made into a very good film, incidentally, yeah. of the paedophile priests. You know, I mean, you, you think of the pressure that they came under when they started churning out these stories from mm. the Catholic Church, which is extremely powerful yeah. in Boston. So, you know, you... you in that case, I would say it was courageous because, you know, they, they were threatened with, with really important forces that could have affected their advertising and their readership. They prevailed and they carried on. Nice one. Interesting stuff. Morning Brew at rthk.hk. If you want to get in touch, we'll go on to something else in just a while. But first, let's do this. Hi, still in with Steve Vines. I'd like you, if you would, to explain a bit about this whole deal with the guy in Taiwan. So... This is Chan Tong Kai, the, the, the um, person who's just been released from jail and admits, so we don't need to say allegedly, he admits that he murdered his girlfriend in Taiwan. Um, his case, if you remember, was the ostensible reason, although I think grown-ups sort of understand that it's not even vaguely the reason for introducing the extradition bill in the first place. And remember, at that stage, and this is very important to understand what's happening now, the Hong Kong government was asked several times by the Taiwanese authorities for information about him after he'd left their jurisdiction to cooperate with his rendition to, to Taiwan to face charges and got no response whatsoever. What actually happened was um, uh, Carrie Lam sitting in her office said, oh, I've now found an excuse to introduce an extradition law. Let's, let's go for that instead. Rue that day. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was a great decision. And uh, four months on, we're, we're, we're seeing the consequences of it. But so now, now what's happening is that the Hong Kong government is going, oh, my God, oh, my God, this case has uh, uh, got involved in politics. I'm thinking, uh, yes, that is absolutely true. It has got involved in politics. To be fair, it's politics at both ends. The Taiwan authorities now are going, you will pay. Now, they're playing politics as well. I don't think there's any doubt about this. They say, you will pay for your lack of cooperation. And what actually they're requesting is to send some officers here to accompany a murderer back to Taiwan. And the Hong Kong government's going, oh, no, no, he can just go on a plane. That's all right. Well, I've never heard of a case anywhere in the world where a murder suspect just hops on a plane but on his end, own. He isn't. Well, no, no, anymore. but he's still a suspect. Sure, he's but still a suspect. Yeah, he can jump no, on no, a but the whole, that's the whole point to. about them going back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I've never heard of an instance where where a murder suspect isn't accompanied by officers, usually from the jurisdiction where he's wanted, right? Um, to, or she's wanted um, to face the charges. But, you know, we heard, for example, on this very radio station, Regina going, oh, that's perfectly normal. No, it isn't. It's very abnormal for the idea that that suspect but would just jump to, on a plane. But then we have to let the Taiwan guys, etc., etc., come and get So then him we and... come to the politics. So one of the aspects is that every time anybody in this administration hears the word Taiwan, they get wet knickers because they go, oh, my God, oh, we could be a clues of splitism. Oh, we could... So they get very, very nervous about doing any kind of formal cooperation with the Taiwan government. Although, incidentally, I mean, the level to which the, 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 the waxworks who run the government here are, are scared of their own shadow, assuming they have one, is so high that they don't seem to understand that on the mainland itself, there are all sorts of relationships between Taiwan and the mainland by officials on the mainland 
who 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 don't have the same Wetnicker problem that seems to appear here with with alarming frequency. On the Taiwan side, they're milking this for all it's worth. <laughs> you bet they are. First of all, there's an election coming up, and thanks to the ludicrous incompetency of the Hong Kong government, it looks as though the incumbent Chai Ing-wan is going to win that election, which she certainly wasn't going to win before everything kicked off in Hong Kong. And they're going, I'll tell you what, we're going to make a bit of hay while the sun is shining. So they're saying to Hong Kong, you have to deal with us officially. We, we're not... We're not Right. We're not, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. So, so I don't know how this will end up. There, there, there of course, is between grown-ups and willing parties. There's always scope for a compromise. Um, but on the other hand, look who are the willing parties in this case. It's staggeringly unimpressive, mm. and you know, it's no good. Um, all these people hopping up and down as John Lee did yesterday. They're being unreasonable. They're being unreasonable. They're very smelly. We don't like them. And over over in Taipei, they're going, well, you know, they're all smelly as well. So, you know, there won't be a solution through that. Meanwhile, justice is not being served. Yeah. And the paper-thin excuse for launching the extradition bill has been blown to smithereens in, in every possible way. But then I don't think anybody seriously believed it at the time. So I think four months, five months on as we are now, anybody's going to believe it. So there's all of that going on. And meanwhile, our erstwhile jailbird could go down in legal history in this part of well, the world. Well, I mean, if, if, if the net result is that he's he's remains free after admitting to... Uh, uh, to have committed a murder that strikes me as absolutely unacceptable i mean incidentally one of the things that the hong kong authorities could do if they were minded to um to behave like grown-ups is say you have the death penalty in hong in, in taiwan we don't have the death penalty in hong kong mm -hmm. if he is to go back we would need a guarantee that that um that sentence was not imposed. That kind of thing is quite commonly done between jurisdictions where there is a, a, a lack of um, similarity in the um, convictions that can be laid down after after a charge has been proved. So we'll, we'll see how that happens. My, my view is that if they're really seriously stupid, nothing will happen. But if, they, if anybody with half a brain is involved in this, and I exclude John Lee, the Secretary for Security, of having such a thing as half a brain, the, the prospects of, of a sensible grown-up deal being achieved are very, very slight. Suffice to say, whatever it is, it's going to take a long time. Yeah, well, there is that as well. And, you know, as they say, justice delayed is not justice served. So we'll see about that. Yeah. All right, then. Talking about justice, I, I can't say even though we've talked about this on this programme many, many times, I can quite believe what's going on now within the police force, where you have four police associations calling, uh, bringing into doubt the, the um, academic, not, not the academic credentials, the credentials of the leader of the um, universe, Chinese University of Hong Kong, because he's dared to say that if it has been proved that illegal acts were... Um, undertaken on on his students he would want an inquiry into it and th there's this fuselage of comment you've also got this wild man who's become a great hero in china um lao chak ki he's the sergeant who if you remember became famous for brandishing a gun at protesters and now has eight hundred thousand followers on weibo and god knows what who who, who regularly posts criticism of the government criticism of this saying that this and that calling calling protesters cockroaches 
this is black and white in defiance of regulations for civil servants who are not allowed to do this. Do you think that that man is going to face any kind of discipline? I don't. And then you have this extraordinary business where Carrie Lamb, the CNO, she's still in office this week, um, made a comment which you would have thought was entirely unacceptable, saying that the law applies to everybody in Hong Kong. Gosh, I, I agree with that. One of the few things she said that I agree with. And, you know, if it is found that, that any police officers have acted against the law, you know, um, action will be taken. You would think, well, that's obvious, isn't it? Oh, no. If you read People's Daily, as, as I'm sure the listener does very avidly, you'll discover this, this constituted an outrageous lack of support for the police. She should have been saying, whatever they do is legal because they're doing it. I mean, this <laughs> Nixon. is... Exactly, exactly. Richard Nixon, where are you? Other than being dead, he's with us still. You know, I mean, this is just... It is, it is really saying to the police force that there is a law for one part of society and another law for you. I mean, this now is getting to a stage where that everybody in the so-called administration is so petrified of the police force that they can drive a coach and horses through every known regulation controlling their behaviour. And incidentally, when I say every known regulation, these are civil service regulations. They don't just apply to police, they apply to the entire civil service. But when it comes to the police, there's a special obligation because they are in the front lines of enforcing the law. Whenever you talk about the fella <coughs> who's uh, all the stuff you've been mentioning, I just can't help thinking it'd be brilliant in The King and I. Your brother, where are you? <laughs> I know. One more, Steve. Eat one your more. heart out. Well, I, I, I was wondering if we could just, just very, very quickly mention, because it's, it's so much fun. So you've got this, this fantastic organisation called Politic HK Social Strategic is a great name. I, I suggest everybody gets a name like that, which is another of these commie front organisations, who decided to nominate the police for a Nobel Peace Prize um, for, for humanity and professional behaviour. Um, it, it's an interesting nomination. But what is so interesting about these people, and they've got myriad organisations with myriad sums of money, yeah. um, is all they can ever do is, is mirror what the protesters do. So there was a Norwegian legislator who nominated Hong Kong protesters for a Nobel Peace Prize. So they go, oh, oh, that, that's a good idea. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, oh, have we'll have some of that. <laughs> you, you know, the, the, the great anthem of the protest movement now, Glory to Hong Kong, instead of working out their own anthem, they use the same music and they've devised an anthem, an instantly forgettable anthem, all of their own, which is sung by nobody. Copyright law. <laughs> I don't know if that has been registered as the copyright of the author who at the moment remains anonymous. Fair play to that, So yes. we don't know about that. But, you know, I mean, what is so, so kind of interesting about this is on the other side of the fence, either the, the anti-democratic side of the fence, there is no, no creativity, no imagination whatsoever. All they can do is take their lead from the protesters, except for in one rather crucial aspect. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which I note this morning that Glory to Hong Kong has been translated into Catalan. 
Oh, and many <laughs> and many languages, many languages. I, I don't know if you've ever heard it sung in Japanese. It's very nice in Japanese. If you if you look into YouTube, you will find it sitting there. Yeah, yeah. It's been translated. And incidentally, you know, last week on Sunday, <coughs> what did you see among the protesters everywhere? Were all these Catalan flags? It's it's interesting how the international aspect of this, the thing that China keeps obsessing about, is growing by the day. Okay, let's briefly talk about oh, squ squirting oh. the mosque the other day. Ah, let's talk about yeah. that. So this is very interesting. So that the, the, the reason apparently that, that the mosque was squirted and with all the noxious gases as well as the paint that apparently comes out of, the, out of this massive, great anti-riot vehicle is that the person driving it, according to the police, I'm not making this up, this is the official line, uh, was a bit inexperienced. Uh, hang on, wait a minute, run that past me again. Was a bit inexperienced. It's like the millionaire who gives his son a Ferrari and says, I had no idea that the 18-year-old would drive a Ferrari fast. Uh, nobody told me that. Yeah. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. That, that if true, it's amazing. If it's not true, it's equally amazing. So... Now you've got, and there is a good side to this story, you, you've got, of course, the, the various officials fronting up to the mosque saying, oh, we're terribly sorry about this. <coughs> we didn't mean so to... So it's become a love-in, in did. a way. So there's a bit of serendipity. I was going to say, but the other thing is, remember, the first people who went out to clean up the mosque were, in fact, protesters. The people who were outside chunking mansions yesterday singing songs in solidarity with... with uh, Hong Kong's South Asian community were the protesters. So, you know, the attempts to stir up racial hatred through this event have miserably failed, thank goodness.